Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know Joe Biden actually believes that there's really nothing special about being an American? Harvard University Institute of Politics had Joe Biden speak back in 2014. And he said this, which may explain exactly why he doesn't seem to give a crap about Americans being trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan with the Taliban in charge of their futures. And so you figure out how to live together like we do, you will never, never, never make it. America's strength ultimately lies in its people. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. Nothing special about being an American. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. Nothing special. There is nothing special about being an American. Well, that may explain exactly why our foreign policy is. If Americans are dying around the world, so be it. We also learned something else today. Did you know that there was a hit out by the Taliban back in 2008, 7, 6, 2009, 2010, actually on Joe Biden? Well, Osama bin Laden may have been smarter than we realized. Osama bin Laden, evil dude, not stupid, though, banned al-Qaeda from trying to assassinate Joe Biden because, quote, he believed he would be an incompetent president and lead the U.S. into a crisis that we could exploit. That's right. Osama bin Laden banned al-Qaeda from assassinating Joe Biden because the Democrat 
would become an incompetent president and lead the U.S. into a crisis if jihadists were successful in killing Barack Obama. Bin Laden made those remarks in a 2010 letter that was found in a trove of documents of the Pakistan compound where he was killed by U.S. Special Forces in 2011. The document was then made public, but a lot of people weren't paying attention to it in 2012. It was brought back to light this week, given the significance amid the chaos with the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan that has gifted the country back into the hands of al-Qaeda. Bin Laden, then leader of al-Qaeda, and the man that America went to Afghanistan to kill penned a 48-page mission statement, I guess, in May 2010 to an aide identified as Brother Muhammad, real name Al-Rahman. In it, Bin Laden discussed the need to direct resources away from terror attacks in other Muslim countries and instead focus on direct attacks in the U.S. On page 36 of that letter that we got in that raid, he outlined his desire to form two hit squads, one in Pakistan and another in Afghanistan, whose job it will be to plot attacks against then-U.S. President Barack Obama and ex-CIA Director David Petraeus should they visit either country. Giving his reasoning for attacking Obama, Osama bin Laden said, quote, Obama is the head of the infidel and killing him automatically will make Biden take over the presidency for the remainder of the term, as is normal over there. Biden is totally, this is Osama bin Laden's words, Biden is totally unprepared for that post, which will lead the U.S. into chaos. Osama bin Laden also adds, as for General Petraeus, he is the man of the hour in this last year of the war, and killing him would alter the war's path. Now, U.S. intelligence analysts who first revealed the existence of the document to the Washington Post back in 2012 said neither the plots against Obama or Petraeus were realistic or amounted to anything. By the way, that's the same exact thing the U.S. intelligence agency said about the attacks on 9-11. But bin Laden's attack on Biden's abilities and his forewarning of an American crisis rings truer now than it ever did before. Biden facing mounting fury across the world for abandoning Afghans and their fate. And yesterday it emerged that his administration was warned multiple times last month that the Afghan capital would quickly fall the Taliban after an American withdrawal and certainly by August the 31st. More than a dozen diplomats have now sent a confidential memo out to the media in a dissent channel to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on July 13th, saying that the Taliban was rapidly gaining ground and that the city was vulnerable to collapse, the Wall Street Journal has confirmed. On July 8th, President Biden said it was, quote, highly, highly unlikely the Taliban would take control of Afghanistan and denied there would be chaos in Kabul. Well, now we know that he's either just a total idiot or he refuses to listen to anyone around him. He went on vacation for five days as Afghanistan was falling, which goes back to the competency issue that was raised by Osama bin Laden, who said, don't kill Joe Biden. We want this guy to be president. He'll take over if we can get rid of Obama. 
These are the words of the of the terrorists that planned 9-11. This is Osama bin Laden saying, whatever you do, don't harm Joe Biden because Joe Biden will give us what we want. Afghan security forces we knew were collapsing over a month ago. The memo also warned Obama, or excuse me, Biden, that there are many ways to mitigate the advancing insurgents. None of that was listened to by the president. The State Department, not wanting blood on their hands and their memo, according to the report, also called for the government to use tougher language, referring to the U.S. government using tougher language, meaning the president used tougher language on the violence in the past from the Taliban and urged them to start collecting information. For Afghan allies who qualify for special immigration visas after working with U.S. forces, all of this was warned weeks ago, almost a month ago before all this happened. The Journal even reported that 23 embassy staffers signed the cable and rushed to deliver it, considering the deteriorating situation in Kabul. This is back in July. We're now told the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, reviewed the cable. State Department spokesman Ed Price told the journal, quote, he made clear that he welcomes and encourages the use of the dissent channel and is committed to its revitalization. We value constructive internal dissent. The memo using the dissent channel urged the administration to start flights evacuating people out of the country no later than August the 1st and sooner if they could. A former CIA counterterrorism chief, chief also advised the president's campaign that Kabul would crumble within days with a depleted American presence, so don't do that. But in an interview released on Thursday morning, President Biden claimed to George Stephanopoulos that he was never told that such a rapid collapse was even possible. In fact, a day earlier, General Mark Milley, you know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that's been focusing more on wokeness and making sure soldiers can get sex change operations and boob jobs, said he never saw any intelligence warning that the Afghan government could fall so quickly. We now know he lied to us as well. Quote, there's nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse of this army and the government in 11 days. We know now that's a lie. Their claims have been disputed in a detailed account describing the state of understanding at the CIA written by Douglas London, the agency's former counterterrorism chief for South and Southwest Asia, which offered a very different assessment. He said the rapid collapse was one of a number of possible scenarios, saying, quote, ultimately. It was assessed Afghan forces might capitulate under the circumstances we witness and projections highlighted to Trump officials and future Biden officials alike. He said, we have a real problem and everyone knows it. London, by the way, who served as a volunteer advisor to the Biden campaign after leaving the CIA in 2019, scoffed at the president's claim that the events in Afghanistan unfolded more rapidly than expected, saying, quote, that's misleading at best. And this is his advisor on his campaign saying, quote, the CIA anticipated it was a very real scenario. ABC News even scorching Biden for claiming Americans have or are having no trouble getting to the airport. You know, Joe Biden wants you to actually believe maybe one of the biggest lies we've been told so far that Americans are having no issues getting to the Kabul airport. Even ABC News isn't buying it. Not only did ABC News not buy it, they're actually scorching him because 
they have members in their media apparatus that can't get to the airport. We've all seen the videos of the babies being thrown over the barbed wire. Some of them got caught in the barbed wire. We know that people are passing their children over the fence to soldiers begging for them to give their kids a chance at life. Joe Biden actually said today in his own words that there are zero issues. I don't know of any. There's no indication. Every road is controlled by the Taliban. Every road coming to the airport has roadblocks. Americans were beat last night in the streets in Afghanistan. You want to know what the State Department thinks about that? I'll play that for you in a second. But before we get to that, here is Biden lying to you. But remember, this is the same guy that said there's nothing special about being an American. It makes sense, right? If Joe Biden truly believes that there is nothing special about being an American, then it's not a big deal for Americans beaten by the Taliban or murdered or hung or beheaded. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. That's 2014 at the Harvard University Institute of Politics. So if there's nothing special about Americans, then why do I care about them? We have no indication that they haven't been able to get in Kabul through the airport. We've made an agreement with the, with the Taliban thus far. They've allowed them to go through. It's in their interest for them to go through. So we know of no circumstance where American citizens are carrying an American passport or trying to get through to the airport. But we will do whatever needs to be done to see to it they get to the airport. Really? Because your State Department said they couldn't guarantee the safety of Americans and the DOD said that you guys couldn't guarantee the safety of Americans going to the airport. So which one is it? State Department spokesman Ned Price actually dismissed the reports of the Taliban beating Americans, maybe because he believes like Joe Biden, that in their words, not mine. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. So let me let you listen to the State Department spokesman Ned Price dismissing reports of Americans being beaten last night. First time ever this has happened since all this went down, Americans being attacked. The defense secretary told congressional leaders that Americans were beaten there. So can you confirm that first off? And this is the first indication of what yet to come by the Taliban. Uh, Again, every single report. Whether it is uh, an American citizen and we take we are in direct contact with American citizens, we take those extraordinarily seriously uh, or the reports we're seeing about at risk Afghans uh, who may be impeded. Um, We take those extraordinarily seriously. Uh, It's difficult for us to speak to uh, reports that are uh, anecdotal uh, that may be on on social media. Uh, the reports we can speak to are those I mean, these journalists, by the way, are pretty angry, right? This 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 reporter is confronting the State Department spokesman over their ambiguous updates and not telling the truth about what's happening to American citizens. And and she's going, We're, we have these reports going to Congress. Why are you not admitting this? The the, the reports we can speak to are those reports that we have heard firsthand uh, because we are in regular constant communication with American citizens on the ground, providing them guidance, providing them instructions. Uh, So oftentimes we do know the most about what uh, American citizens are faring, uh, but I'm just not in a position to confirm specific reports. So let's be clear about this. The State Department spokesman Ned Price dismisses reports of the Taliban beating Americans as anecdotal. 
That's how little they think of you. Even ABC News tonight not putting up with that crap. Correspondent Ian Pennell with us live on the ground in Kabul, where he has been for many days now. And Ian, I want to get right to something the president was pressed on there uh, from our own Stephanie Ramos, who was there at the White House. She asked about uh, Americans and Afghans who are uh, in Kabul and beyond who are trying to uh, get to that airport. But as you have reported for many nights on World News Tonight, the Taliban controls the checkpoint, the Taliban and convoys around that country. How do you get those families to the airport? The president said he has no intelligence that Americans have been unable to get there. Uh, the question, obviously, does that square with reporting on the ground? I mean, just totally not. Uh, I mean, the reaction was was pretty much one of, of, I mean, it was breathtaking. No indication Americans can't get to the airport. I mean, last night on World News, we had American citizens who had exactly that experience. They tried to get to the airport. They had waived their American passports. The president talked about all they had to do was present their passports and they'd be allowed through. They were beaten by the Taliban uh, with uh, the rubber fan belt from a vehicle. Uh, multiple examples of Americans and Afghans, SIV applicants, who have now tried repeatedly. There's one woman we're tracking. She's back at the airport tonight. This is her third night in the row. Gates haven't opened. The Taliban haven't let her through. Uh, it, it just seems the reality and the rhetoric are miles apart. Uh, I'm not quite sure what, what advice the president's receiving. But the truth on the ground is that, that these people who are in fear of their lives can't get through. These people in fear of their lives can't get through. That's ABC News saying it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me let you hear from another media organization who is also saying that Joe Biden has lost his ever-loving mind and he's just flat out lying to the American people about Americans getting safe passage to the airport. MSNBC, and the only reason why they're angry, you have to understand this, is because there's journalists who are caught behind enemy lines right now. So they're, it's in their best interest to tell you the truth only for that reason. I want this to be clear. This is not about American citizens. This is about journalists who think they're more important than you are. It just happens to be that we're aligned on this one now. So they will tell you the real truth of what's happening on the ground because Americans, who also happen to be journalists, are trapped behind enemy lines. That's why they're really angry. If all the journalists were safe, then they would have no problem probably telling you a different story or looking the other way while Biden's lying to you. But right now, they want their journalist friends, which lives are more valuable than anyone else's, to get out. Here is what MSNBC said about Joe Biden telling the world, oh, Americans with their passport, just show them to the Taliban, they'll let you straight through. Thousands of people surrounded the airport, the Camp Sullivan, Camp Veron, the military entrance, all of them have been closed. So they're beating the people, smoking fire gas at them. There's no way that people get in. So this is a complete failure. What the prisoner has been saying, it contradicts the situation. My journalist is telling me from the airport, one of my journalists met inside the airport and the other one has been beaten and still outside. So the reality... On- by, by the way, you know, one of my journalists... See, this is the only reason why they're telling you the truth right now is because it's their journalists who usually have a, a, a different level of protection, right? That's all broken down. Journalists, you got to understand, I'm in, I'm in the... I, I don't like saying I'm in the journalist field. That's not. I, I don't want to be a, accused of being a journalist, right? I'm not a journalist. I'm a commentator. But you got to understand, most journalists are extremely narcissistic. They believe they're special. They believe that they are above reproach. They believe that they're like, like God has their hand on them, that they're somehow different than a normal human being. Journalists believe that they are, they're very narcissistic, just so you understand. And even there, you can hear it, right? I don't even think the guy realized what he's saying here, but he's basically saying, I'm angry and I'm telling you that Joe Biden's lying and what's happening on the ground is not what, what he's claiming it is because I have journalists that are trapped, which is exactly what I said they were going to do. Now, as soon as they get their journalists out, they'll, they'll shut up. They'll shut up for the same reason that Joe Biden is acting this way. Because they don't really think there's anything special about being an American citizen either. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. That explains Joe Biden's lack of I don't give a blank about these people. That explains why they can, he can look you in the face and lie to you. But ABC News scorching Biden for claiming Americans have no trouble getting to the Kabul airport. And MSNBC doing the exact same thing. It's only because there are journalists that are trapped on the ground is that the administration has literally filled this footage video you see it is from my journalist wanted to make his way out the u.s embassy has issued them these passes or they call it visa passes the problem is not the taliban the problem is 
our capabilities, U.S. forces and the, and the Afghan security forces, they cannot control the crowd. We're talking about thousands of people. 18,000 left, 6,000 screened last night. Right now, everything is closed. So what do we see all these footages? They're being beaten. And there's another thing. Over 90% of these people have never worked for the U.S. government. The, their families are not in the U.S. So it has been a mismanagement of this program. You know, this had been done long time ago. We literally failed. It has been a terrible leadership. And I think still the president, he admitted his failure and he's still not regretting what is happening on the ground. You know, yes, there are a lot of brave American souls on the ground. But if the leadership is not working, if the strategy is not working, how are you going to sift safely bring these people home. You know, on the crowd, my journalist told me there are a lot of American citizens with green cards, even with a U.S. citizenship uh, passport and, and the NGOs. That is the issue. So the, the crowd, there's, there's really, really, really hard for people to go and say, oh, you're an American. Let's go on a plane. So this situation, it's a chaos. It's a disaster. I got a message from the journalist that she made it to the airport. She was crying and she was telling me, Ahmad, I don't know what to tell you. People are killing each other over a bottle of water. It's such a, such a disaster and chaos. And she hung up on me. Notice it's all about the journalists here, right? It's not really the Americans. Yeah. Not really the Americans. It's journalists. We just happen to be aligned for once because we're angry we can't get out. State Department spokesman Ned Price dismisses reports of a beating Americans. Remember, it's just anecdotal. It's not a big deal. Senator Lindsey Graham even said today, I fear that the Taliban has given us an ultimatum. They're now attacking Americans. Even CNN. Now, again, the only reason why they're doing what I'm about to play for you is because they have journalists. Is fact-checking now, for the first time ever, Joe Biden's claim today. The president has said American passport holders are not having any trouble getting past the Taliban checkpoints. That may be problematic. An awful lot of reports that that is still very much a problem. Now, they won't say just lied to you, right? They're, it's, you know, they got to they gotta make sure they keep their access to the White House, right? You want to know something else that's crazy? This administration was asked about what's going on when it comes to another issue. They've, they've asked them about the Taliban. Hey, what's, what, what are we, what's the Taliban looking right right now? What's their presence in Afghanistan? The Pentagon spokesman actually contradicts Biden because Biden made up another lie in his press conference today. I mean, they can't even keep their their lies straight at this point. There's too many of them. Listen to the Pentagon spokesman contradicting Biden. Biden said, no, no, we don't, we, we don't, we're so ISIS and al-Qaeda, president of Afghanistan. Uh-uh. No, no, that's not true. Less than an hour later, the Pentagon says this when they're asked the same question. Exact estimate. Military intelligence estimates about how many al-Qaeda remain in Afghanistan. We know that al-Qaeda is a presence as well as ISIS in Afghanistan, and we've talked about that uh, for quite some time. We do not believe it is exorbitantly high, but we don't have an exact figure for you. As I think you might understand, Jen, it's not like they they carry identification cards and register somewhere. We don't have a a, a perfect picture. And our ability, uh, our intelligence gathering ability in Afghanistan isn't what it used to be because we aren't there in the same with the same numbers that we used to be. But the president just said that there is no al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan. That does not seem to be correct. What, what 
what uh, we don't think is that we what we believe is that there isn't a uh, a presence that is significant enough to 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 merit a threat to our homeland as there was back on 9/11 20 years ago. The president also said there is no national security interest, no national interest in Afghanistan. I'm a little confused by that. Can you explain why there's no national interest in Afghanistan. Why did we have troops there for 20 years if there's no national interest in Afghanistan? We had a, we had a significant interest in being in Afghanistan to our national security 20 years ago. Uh, you've heard the president talk about this. The the, the goal was to uh, to defeat decimate Al Qaeda, also to prevent Al Qaeda from launching attacks on the homeland from Afghanistan, and we did that. We did that and a whole heck of a lot more over the course of 20 years and to include uh, you know, helping with social, political, economic, just just progress in, in Afghanistan. Um, the president uh, decided that it was time to end this conflict, that uh, that uh, there was really only two choices uh, because of the May 1 deadline, either plus up because at, after May 1st, we would come under attack by the Taliban. And we hadn't since the Doha agreement had been signed uh, or or go ahead and complete the, the drawdown. And the decision was made to complete uh, the drawdown. Now I, I love this, by the way. You, this guy literally is stuttering. After the reporter says, but the president just said there is no al-Qaeda presence in Afghanistan. That does not seem to be correct. Pentagon spokesman, what we, we don't think is, what we believe is is that there isn't a presence that is significant enough to merit a threat to our homeland as there was back on 9-11 20 years ago. They're not even on the same page about Al-Qaeda, folks. Maybe Osama bin Laden was really smart because Osama bin Laden said to Al-Qaeda, whatever you do, don't assassinate Joe Biden because he believed he would be an incompetent president and lead the U.S. into crisis. That was in his own words and his own writings that we seized from his compound back in 2011 after we killed him. Joe Biden also said he has no indication that there are any issues for Americans getting to the Kabul airport. We now know that is a lie. We have no indication that they haven't been able to get in Kabul through the airport. We've made an agreement with the, with the Taliban thus far. They've allowed them to go through. It's in their interest for them to go through. So we know of no circumstance where American citizens are carrying an American passport or trying to get through to the airport. But we will do whatever needs to be done to see to it they get to the airport. Again, he knew that was a lie when he said it. He also knew it was a lie when he said that Al-Qaeda is not in the country. Al-Qaeda is in the country. Al-Qaeda is in the country. He said that Al-Qaeda is not in the country. Yes, it is. Now, the, to totally just put into perspective the insanity of this press conference today, Joe Biden actually forgot the first question from the first reporter after he called on the reporter today at the White House. The first part of your question was, I can't remember now. That's your president. The first part of your question, I, I can't remember now. Really? That's what you've got? That's, that's, that's what you've got. That's it. Lindsey Graham has said he believes that the Taliban, he fears, has given us an ultimatum. An ultimatum that they are going to start attacking us 
They've already started hitting and beating Americans. What happens when they start killing Americans? So that seems like the perfect jumping off point to bring in Senator Lindsey Graham, who has been to Afghanistan many times as a former member of the Armed Services Committee, and he served in Afghanistan as an Air Force Reserve Colonel. Senator Graham, good to have you with us today. Um, I, I thought that was an astonishing comment in many ways, just in terms yeah. of the reality of the situation. Um, and I want to hear your reaction to that first and then some other points that he made. Well, number one, uh, President Biden is clearly disconnected from the reality on the ground in Afghanistan. The U.N. issued a report just a month or two ago saying that al-Qaeda was in 15 provinces of Afghanistan. Uh, after this debacle, they're going to be everywhere. He also said, he, I'm going to hold him to his word, that we're going to get all the Americans out and all the Afghans out. He said that. But look what's going on on the ground. The State Department has issued a statement today. You travel at your own peril. We can't guarantee your safety. And the gates at the uh, Kabul airport may close at any minute. Mm. So the State Department is telling people on the ground, you're on your own. And the president of the United States is promising to get you out. There is no plan. President Biden is clearly overwhelmed by the situation. And I think he's in denial about what's going on. But because al-Qaeda is there. And there's clearly no plan. If there were a plan... But by the way, I, this idea that he's in denial, I, I got to disagree with. I don't think he cares. I don't, I don't think he cares. Because if he actually cared, right, if he cared, then he'd be getting these American troops to go out into the city and get the Americans that are being held back by the Taliban right now. And do you think a, a mother would be handing their baby over the wall to a Marine? No, because they know the reality uh, and they understand yeah. that the Taliban has not changed its stripes and that they right. made it. You know, deal. and part of this they may be, by the way, part of this may be that you've just gotten so and, and just old, like, hey, I got the Holy Grail. Or, excuse me, I became the president of the United States of America. I don't care if these American citizens die. I'm too old now to even care. Like, I, I've just become 40 plus years. You're just numb. I'm right at this point. You're numb. Like you've gone through Vietnam. Remember, he was a senator when Vietnam happened and the debacle of Vietnam happened and the pullout of Vietnam happened and Saigon happened. He was there. When Iran hostage crisis was happening as a senator at this point, like, does he even give a crap anymore? I, I would say probably not out they might even be yes. cooperative in some ways in terms of letting people leave um, yeah. although we've seen them yeah. also uh, very violent yeah. at times when when they they see fit you know I, I want to just talk about uh, the Afghani people and the, the commitment that you talked about that the president made there right because um, he said we will we will get you home that was a clear message to Americans but when he when he was pressed a little bit on the Afghans who helped us he sort of left I think some doors open to maybe not help yeah, all did. of those people right so yeah. he was asked will you stay yeah. past the August 31st deadline because we all know that you know yeah. to get yeah. thousands and thousands of people out in the next 10 days is going to be tricky he said yeah I think we can get the Afghans out in yeah. time and then he said, but, you know, but we'll see about the deadline. We'll see. Then just one more point I want to put out there on the table for, for you. Um, let, let, me said, just, you know let me just say this one last thing. I think he is so hell bent on having that date of, well, at least we're out. People may have died, but at least we're out by September the 11th on the 20th anniversary. 
that he doesn't care what happens to anyone right now. As long as we're out, just get out. I really think that's all he cares about. Like, that's it. Which is honestly the scariest part of all of this. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stubborn, old, senile, and angry. Those are the words that I can use to describe Joe Biden in his ABC News exclusive one-on-one interview that he did with George Stephanopoulos, a Democratic operative that was going easy on the president. And even with George Stephanopoulos going easy on him, Joe Biden fell apart in this interview as the Afghanistan crisis has worsened. How bad is it? Mothers and fathers are now handing their children over barbed wire fences at the airport, trying to at least give their kids a chance at life because they know that they are more than likely going to die. And if you want to know what's happening in Afghanistan right now, it's a money grab. The Taliban are now in control of $1 trillion worth of minerals that the world desperately wants and needs. Insert China and Russia. This swift fall of Afghanistan, we're now being told, was undermined by China, possibly, and Russia, which has triggered this humanitarian crisis. Those two countries are already working deals to get into Afghanistan's vastly untapped mineral wealth. 
They say it could transform the economic prospects of the Taliban to be able to not only just have money, but money that they've never even imagined to then use towards terrorism. Afghanistan, as you know, is one of the poorest nations in the world. But in 2010, U.S. military and geologists revealed that the country, which lies at the crossroads of Central and South Asia, was sending out mineral deposits worth nearly a trillion dollars. What minerals are they and why are they so important to Russia and China? And that's why their embassies are wide open and they're working these deals. Supplies of minerals such as iron, copper and gold are scattered across provinces. There are also rare earth minerals and perhaps most importantly, that could be one of the world's biggest deposits of lithium. That's why China is sitting there begging to do a deal. Lithium is an essential but scarce component in rechargeable batteries that China desperately needs, as well as other technologies vital to tackling what some refer to as the climate crisis. Afghanistan is certainly one of the richest regions in traditional precious metals, but also the metals needed for the emerging economy of the 21st century. And that's why China is stepping in as America leaves. Security challenges may not be an issue if all the money is going to the Taliban something we were not going to guarantee, which is part of the reason why these minerals went untapped over the last 20 years. A lack of infrastructure, not a problem. China says they'll build it. Severe droughts, not a problem. China says they'll do whatever it takes. And they will do the deal with the Taliban, not with the Afghanistan government, which has now fallen. This will all change sooner than later. We're being told under Taliban control because they realize how much money they can get their hands on. That is exactly why they've been meeting apparently around the clock with China, as well as even Pakistan and India, which may engage despite the chaos because the money is just so big. So now you understand the politics of what is happening on the ground there. Now, Joe Biden has been busted lying. I don't think anyone cares, at least in the media, because Biden boldface lied to George Stephanopoulos in this interview saying that, quote, military advisors did not warn him against withdrawing. And he said, no, no, not one, not no one said to me that I can, quote, recall that we shouldn't withdraw this way. When he was asked about the people falling from the planes, he said that was four or five days ago, acting like what difference does it make to quote Hillary Clinton? Who cares? That's old news. That was days ago, days ago. It was actually two days ago when he was asked the question. But who's counting, right? And for all the woke feminists that voted for Joe Biden, right, because he was going to stand up for women's rights and equal pay and and, and, and LGBTQ and all that. Well, he was asked about the women who are now going to be executed, who are going to be put into sex slavery, who are going to not be allowed to walk around the streets, who are going to be not allowed to go to school. He was asked about that. And what happened in Afghanistan? Here's his response to ABC News. Americans, what do we owe the Afghans who are left behind, particularly Afghan women who are facing the prospect of subjugation again as many as we can get out we should for example i had a meeting today for a couple hours in the situation room just below here there were afghan women outside the gate i told them get them on the planes get them out get them out get their families out if you can but here's the deal george the idea that we're able to deal with the rights of women around the world by military force is not rational not rational Look what's happening to the Uyghurs in Western China. Look what's happening in other parts of the world. Look what's happening in the Congo. I mean, there are a lot of places where women are being subjugated. 
The way to deal with that is not with a military invasion. The way to deal with that is putting economic, diplomatic, and international pressure on them to change their behavior. Translation, America now doesn't care. America is weak. Let them on the planes. The problem is they're not letting them through the gates. The problem is the Taliban is beating people going to the airport. The problem is people are being kidnapped going to the airport. Hell, even CNN's own reporters are being attacked by the ends of AK-47 gun butts. As they're walking down the street, people are begging to get out of the country. Taliban are killing women for not wearing burqas on the same day they vow to honor women's rights. Go look at the New York Post today. They put the picture up. The Taliban has killed a woman for not wearing a burqa on the same day they vowed women's rights. And this president says, well, we're just going to punt to the international community and we'll figure it out that way. They shot and killed a woman for not wearing a burqa in Afghanistan the same day they pledged. That we are a new inclusive heir of the Taliban and we honor the women's rights. This photo emerged of the woman in Takahar province lying in a pool of blood. Loved ones crouched around her after she was killed by insurgents for being in public without a headscarf. This is the Taliban. We're also being told there's not enough headscarves for women. And if you look at the satellite pictures that are coming out and the pictures that are coming out of Afghanistan and Kandahar right now, you can't find women on the street anywhere. They're all now stuck in their homes. Many of them, by the way, are widowed because their husbands died fighting in Afghanistan. So how do they get to the store? Because you're supposed to be walked around by a family member. And if you don't, they'll beat the hell out of you or kill you or shoot you in the face. But don't worry. Joe Biden's lying, telling you military advisors warned him against withdrawing, saying, no, no, no one said that to me. They're all saying that's a lie. They're all saying that is a lie. I mean, even George Stephanopoulos wasn't believing what Joe Biden was selling him in this interview. He pressed him on whether the U.S. exit from Afghanistan could have been handled better. And Joe Biden got irritated. And what he described is basically there was no way for this not to be total chaos. There was no way to plan for people to get out of Afghanistan. There was no way for us to do a better job, which the entire world knows is total insanity. Yet he said it with a straight, angry face. Take a listen. Look at what's happened over the last week. Was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a fair. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the when the Taliban, uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. He's not just defiant. He's angry in his defiance, which is delusional. 
to say that we couldn't have done any better than we could have done when everybody was telling him to do it differently, when everybody in the military is saying we could do a better job. I mean, the Pentagon right now is saying, oh, well, we're, we're working to fill every seat on each plane. No, you're not. If you were, you would be telling the Taliban we're going to blow you uh, up if you don't give our people a safe passage to the airport, which is not what you're saying and are doing right now. You know, Joe Biden even said, it's, quote, not true that my military advisors warned me against withdrawing. Even ABC News, Good Morning America, George Stephanopoulos couldn't spin this for this deranged president of the United States of America that clearly cannot handle his job and his duties right now. Even when they introduced the segment, they basically knew that he cooked his own goose. That it was too far gone almost to try to even explain his decisions away because it was so out of touch with reality. It's the U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan. And George, we know you pressed the president on the aftermath of that withdrawal. Those frantic scenes at the Kabul airport, thousands of Americans and Afghans desperate to escape as the Taliban tightens its grip. Yeah, that's right, Amy. And the president promised for the first time that the U.S. military would stay as long as it takes to get all Americans out. He was also defiant, insisting we had to get out now, admitting no mistakes. Back in July, you said a Taliban takeover was highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong or did you downplay it? There was no consensus. You go back and look at the intelligence reports. They said that it was more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. You didn't put a timeline out when you said it was highly unlikely. You just said flat out it's highly unlikely the Taliban would take over. Yeah. Well, the question was whether or not it... The idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. Senator McConnell said it was a predictable that the Taliban was going to take over. Well, by the end of the year, he said that that was a real possibility. But no one said it was going to take over then when it was being asked. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the Taliban... Uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off, that was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. So the question was, in the beginning, the, the threshold question was, do we commit to leave within the time frame was set, we extended it to September 1st, or do we put significantly more troops in? I hear people say, well, you had 2,500 folks in there and nothing was happening. You know, there, there wasn't any war. But guess what? The fact was that the reason it wasn't happening is the last president negotiated a year earlier. By the way, I love it there. There we go. Blame Trump. And, and, and this idea that he's trying to get a bailout here saying, well, I inherited this mess, right? I inherited this policy. Uh, if that's true, then then explain why you got rid of the Keystone Pipeline, which pipeline, which is a policy that you inherited. You inherited a secure border and you did the opposite of that policy. So explain that logic away. You inherited a president that actually gave a crap about American citizens and made sure they weren't harmed by the Taliban. You change that policy, 
You inherited a policy of a president that was tough on China. You got rid of that one. You inherited energy independence. You got rid of that one. So this idea that you were somehow stuck to a policy of the other guy, so therefore it's really somehow Jedi mind trick, his fault, is insanity. It is total insanity. Now this president, by the way, new reports reveal the victim who clung to the U.S. evac plane and fell from the sky was actually a child. And the response from this president should shake every single one of you to its core. His response was, that was four or five days ago. In other words, move on. Get over it. Get over it. You know, he also tried to Jedi mind trick us on something else, saying, well, the Taliban is facing an existential threat. I, I, they are? You, I don't, they're not acting like it, bro. They are certainly not act, acting like it. But Joe Biden's sitting there trying to convince you that this is somehow Donald Trump's fault because you inherited a policy, but every other policy of Trump's that you inherited, you undid. That he'd be out by May 1st and that in return there'd be no attack on American forces. That's what was done. That's why nothing was happening. But the idea, if I had said, I had a simple choice. If I had said, we're going to stay, then we better be prepared to put a whole hell of a lot more troops but in. But your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. You, again, he just lied to you. He just lied to you. What you're hearing right now is a lie. This is one of the biggest lies he told in this interview. And if George Stephanopoulos, uh, in my opinion, had any, any integrity as a journalist, he would say exactly that. He would say this is a lie. Let, let, let's let's really think about where we are. You have a Taliban flag flying over the U.S. Embassy. You have 15,000 American prisoners in a terrorist state. You have civilians flying off American planes to their death. Now we know it also includes children. The terrorist regime is armed with billions of dollars in U.S. weapons. You're now seeing mass murder in these streets. Al-Qaeda and ISIS now emboldened and have a country and a trillion dollars worth of assets to fund themselves with making deals with Russians and Chinese and Biden says this was his plan and his response to the people following the plan that was like four or five days ago I mean you, you think about how messed up the Democrats are right now we've actually gone from defunding the police to arming terrorists defunding the police to arming terrorists think about that you look at these highlights from Biden's interview Quote, did not recall being warned by U.S. military to not push ahead with his plan. Did not know U.S. had troops in Syria. That was in the interview. Did not know certain events in Kabul happened this week because he was on vacation. And did not know people were getting killed. You seeing a pattern here? This guy clearly cannot handle what is happening. And Biden flatly denied reporting that he was advised to keep 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. And his own intelligence community is now throwing him under the bus for that lie in this interview. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Pentagon right now has just come out just showing how stupid this decision was to pull out of Afghanistan the way that we did. And they have now said after being browbeat by reporters that, yes, we can confirm that we do not know how many Americans are left in Afghanistan. We don't know. So the president of the United States of America said he did it perfect, did it right, do it again. Refuses to back down or say he screwed up or made a mistake. And you have a Pentagon now admitting we have no idea how many Americans are there. We have no idea how many Americans could be held hostage. We have no idea how many of them could become propaganda for the for the Taliban. What we do know is the Taliban is intensifying their hunt for Afghans who work for the U.S. and U.K. Is they are now going door to door threatening relatives. United Nations is reporting this now, and they're like not not conservative folks. They are now reporting and warning, despite the terror group's claims of amnesty for these people, the jihadists are going door-to-door threatening families of those who have gone into hiding. The U.N. papers now warn the militants are arresting and killing relatives. They are also stopping others trying to leave from, from the area around the Kabul airport or going to the airport. There are reports of officials who have been shot dead after surrendering to the Taliban. They are intensifying their hunt for people who worked for the U.K., U.S., and NATO forces in Afghanistan. This is coming from the U.N. 
Of course, it's supposed to be a confidential report internally within the U.N. It's been leaked. Thank goodness. Jihadists are going door to door, killing relatives of civil servants, interpreters and other counselor staff, while other militants are even stopping people outside the Kabul airport. Despite the Taliban's claim of amnesty, the U.N. says new video today shows fighters spraying spraying assault rifle bullets just yards away from women and children gathered at the airport's perimeter. The U.N. dossier leaked to The New York Times says the Taliban are arresting and or killing or arresting family members of targeted individuals unless they surrender themselves to the Taliban. And then when they surrender, they're being killed. Yeah, that's a letter dated three days ago. Just so you know. This letter, it contained a letter dated August the 16th from the Taliban to a senior counterterrorism official in Afghanistan who had worked alongside the U.S. and British officials. The letter ordered the man to report to the Military Intelligence Commission of the Islamic State of Afghanistan in Kabul. If he failed to do so, it warned that his family will be treated based on Sharia law, meaning they'll all be murdered. The senior Afghan official told the Telegraph they had been forced into deep hiding to avoid the martyring fighters who they suspect have gained access to government employee databases. Earlier this week, former British Army officials told the same paper that hundreds of elite Afghan soldiers had gone into hiding and were trying to flee the country because they're now on the kill list. And when they find them, they behead them and cut their arms off and torture them in the streets. Let's go back to Joe Biden real quick. Joe Biden says, I did this perfectly. There's nothing that could have gone wrong differently here. This was going to happen anyway, and I did it right. Now, he's also been caught in a major lie. George Stephanopoulos asked him a question. I'm going to play this audio for you, but I want to read you the transcript first so you know exactly what to listen for here. Biden flatly denies reporting that he was advised to keep 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. I'm going to read you George Stephanopoulos' words so you understand what he said. He said, but your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. Biden interrupts. No, they didn't. It was split. That, 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 that wasn't true. That wasn't true. Biden stumbles. Stephanopoulos, they didn't tell you that you wanted troops, to, that they wanted troops to stay? Question mark. Biden, no, 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 not. Not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame all troops they didn't argue against that stephanopoulos he knows he's right by the way stephanopoulos knows everybody in the intelligence community was leaking and telling them we told biden not to do this we told him to leave troops so no one told you by stephanopoulos says your military advisors did not tell you no we should just keep 2500 troops it's been a stable situation for the last several years We can do that. We can continue to do that, question mark. Biden, even more angry. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. He knows he's busted. Look, George, the reason why it's been stable for a year is that because the last president said we're leaving. And here's the deal. I want to make with you, Taliban, we're agreeing to leave if you agree not to attack us between now and the time we leave on May the 1st. So now it's Trump's fault again. He's pandering back to that. Stephanopoulos interjects, but your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on the timeline. They wanted you to keep 2,500 troops. Biden, angry. No, they didn't. I'm going to play that audio for you so you can hear it now and you know what the lies are. 
Military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no, no one told your military did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Look, George, the reason why it's been stable for a year is because the last president said, we're leaving. And here's the deal I want to make with you, Taliban. We're agreeing to leave if you agree not to attack us between now and the time we leave on May the 1st. Less than two months after I was elected to office, I was sworn in, all of a sudden, I have a May 1 deadline. I have a May 1 deadline. I got one of two choices. Do I say we're staying? And do you think we would not have to put a hell of a lot more troops? We had, a, we had hundreds, we had tens of thousands of troops there before. Tens of thousands. Do you think we would have, that would have just said no problem? Don't worry about it. We're not going to attack anybody. We're okay. In the meantime, the Taliban was taking territory all throughout the country in the north and down in the south in the Pashtun area. So would you have withdrawn troops like this even if President Trump had not made that deal with the Taliban? I would have tried to figure out how to withdraw those troops, yes. Because look, George, there is no good time to leave Afghanistan. Fifteen years ago would have been a problem. Fifteen years from now. The basic choice is, am I going to send your sons and your daughters to war in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, in perpetuity? No one can name for me a time when this would end. And Again, this is the, the, the delusional high ground that Biden is going with right here, right? Well, I'm not going to keep sending your your children to war. So if you're caught behind enemy lines and you're the 10,000 that are going to be murdered and massacred by the Taliban, hey, at least there's an end in sight. We also just got an official announcement. Remember the guy that we had in Gitmo, the guy that we traded for the deserter Bo Bergdahl in that prisoner swap when we negotiated with terrorists? Done under Biden and Obama administration, the new leader of the Taliban we had in Gitmo. He's now in charge of the Taliban. Taliban officials have just announced... The Taliban group will rule Afghanistan with Sharia law, putting women back in the Stone Ages, and no democratic system. Four days ago, they told us women were going to be in the government. Yeah, they lied. That's who we're trusting for our people's safety right now. Taliban officials announced the group will rule Afghanistan with Sharia law and no democratic system. And the man who announces the same man that we had in Gitmo that we let out and traded for the deserter, Bo Bergdahl. I'll say it again. All of this was avoidable. Every bit of it was avoidable. All of it. And this president is sitting there basically saying, I don't care what you say to me. I was right. Afghan women are throwing their babies over barbed wire to save them. We have video now. Video is showing babies being passed to strangers in crowds to get them evacuated. People passing their infant children to others in the crowd ahead of them at the Kabul airport, hoping that the babies and toddlers will be evacuated and have a better life because they know they're going to be killed. 
Other reports indicated women were actually throwing their babies over the barbed wire in a desperate attempt to save them because some of the soldiers wouldn't take them. And they basically said, well, if I throw them, you're going to have to. A senior official said to Sky News, they have no choice because the situation's out of control. They said the blockade will, will live with some of these soldiers for the rest of their lives. It's terrible. Women were throwing their babies over the razor wire, asking the soldiers to please take them. Some of them got caught in the barbed wire troops reported. Another said our men are going to have to have counseling, saying every soldier cried last night. The report from Kabul by war correspondent of iNews said it's one of the most upsetting stories they've ever published. At the Kabul airport, a parachute regiment officer told Kim that Afghan mothers have been trying to throw their babies over the barbed wire to British servicemen as well in the hopes that their children can be saved from life under the Taliban. Some of the babies did not reach the troops. The Washington Post, this morning, printing an article describing what life was like for some children the last time the Taliban ruled in Afghanistan from 96 to 01. Quote, the outside world got periodic glimpses into the country, even though taking photos was forbidden. There was video of an Afghan mother forced to kneel in the stadium, shot dead between the goal posts. There were photos of children dying of preventable illnesses in a dilapidated pediatric hospital. The U.S. State Department wrote in November of 01, just after the United States had ousted the Taliban from power, quote, under Taliban rule, women were given only the most rudimentary access to health care and medical care, thereby endangering the health of women and in turn their families. In most hospitals, male physicians could only examine a female patient if she was fully clothed, ruling out the possibility of meaningful diagnosis and treatment. Sharia law is coming back. According to the United Nations International Children Emergency Fund, UNICEF, 165 of every 1,000 babies died before their first birthday in Afghanistan under Taliban rule. And they just said they're bringing back the same laws that allowed this to happen. And Joe Biden says, couldn't have done a better job than I did trying to get people out. We did it perfect, he said today in this interview. Wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't do anything different. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want you to imagine being a United States citizen. This is real life. This is not hypothetical. And I want you to imagine assuming, thinking, that you are a part of the greatest country in the world, that your country will protect you at all costs, that your life is valued by the United States government. There is almost a protective dome around you virtually everywhere in the world. Every human smuggler, every sex trafficker, every leader of any terrorist group, cartel in the world knows there will be a heavy price to pay if you abduct or kill an American citizen. That has been universal for my entire lifetime. That's been universal since World War I. For many people that are listening, World War II. There was a, a very clear message from the United States government to anyone in Canada, anyone in Mexico, anyone in Afghanistan, that if you screw with an American citizen, there will be hell to pay. You also knew that if the you-know-what hit the fan, that America was going to have your back because you're an American citizen, because your life is valuable, your life is important. Well, imagine, because this is real life now, being in Afghanistan. Imagine being one of the 10 to 20,000 Americans who are caught behind Taliban checkpoints, behind enemy lines, literally, and waiting for the United States government to come get you, or at least give you safe passage to them, or escorting you in a country that we have controlled for 20 years that we abandon because of a president who is still on vacation as we speak. This is the note that Americans receive from the State Department. Dear citizens, thank you for registering your request to evacuate Afghanistan. This is the email you get as an American citizen. The U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan has confirmed that an undefined number of U.S. government-provided flights will soon begin. Then in italic bold, it says, quote, Please make your way to the international airport at this time. An international airport that you can't get to because the Taliban has totally surrounded that airport, even though the American soldiers are on the ground within the perimeter of the airport. Please be advised, it then says in all capital letters and in bold. Please be advised that the United States government cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. There is no help for you. There is no American help on the way. Now, the media has been trying to figure out a way to blame Donald Trump for all of this. Trump sat down with Sean Hannity on Fox News and explained the difference between his policy and Biden's and why no Americans were screwed with when he was president in Afghanistan. Take a listen. 
I've had a number of people tell me that there were very specific conditions and very specific warnings that you gave personally to the Taliban. Joe Biden is trying to blame you. I want first to give you an opportunity to respond to that, your assessment of what's going on. And what was that conversation to the extent you feel you're able to share it with us? Well, it's good to be with you, Sean, but it's a terrible time for our country. Uh, I don't think in all of the years our country has ever been so humiliated. I don't know, would you call it a military defeat or a psychological defeat? There's never been anything like what's happened here. It's, uh, you can go back to Jimmy Carter with the hostages. We all thought that was a great embarrassment and we were pulled out of that by Ronald Reagan. This is uh, many, many times worse and you're dealing with thousands and thousands of Americans and others that are stranded and very dangerously, really stranded in Afghanistan. So it's, uh, it's something that you, you can't even believe that a thing like this could. I looked at that big monster cargo plane yesterday with people grabbing the side and trying to get flown out of Afghanistan because of their fear, their incredible fear, and they're blowing off the plane from 2,000 feet up in the air. It's, uh, nobody's ever seen anything like that. That blows the helicopters in Vietnam away. That's not even a contest. This has been the most humiliating period of time I've ever seen. Yeah, we had a great deal. We worked on it very hard. Mike Pompeo, a brilliant guy, and many others worked on it endlessly. Uh, meetings with the Taliban. Of course, you have to meet with the Taliban. They're the ones that you're negotiating with. I spoke on numerous occasions to the head of the Taliban, and we had a very strong conversation. I told him up front, I said, look, before we start, let me just tell you right now that if anything bad happens to Americans or anybody else, or if you ever come over to our land, we will hit you with a force that no country has ever been hit with before, a force so great that you won't even believe it. And your village, and we know where it is, and I named it, uh, will be the first well, one. Mr. The first President, I want to interrupt. Dropped right there. You said this to who? Yeah. Who did you? You said to that to who? To Mullah Baradar, who is probably the top person. Now, nobody really knows who the top person is, but I would say that's probably the top person. And it seems to be uh, that's the way it's rolling right now. But I had a very strong conversation. I also had a good conversation with him. We talked for a while after that. That was the primary point I was making, and he understood it. And I asked him, do you understand? He said, yes, I do understand. And I wanted them to get a deal done with uh, the Afghan government. Now, I never had a lot of confidence, frankly, in Ghani. I said that openly and plainly. I thought he was a total crook. I thought he got away with murder. He spent all his time whining and dining uh, our senators. I mean, the senators were in his pocket. That was one of the problems that we had, but I never liked him. And I guess based on his escape with cash, I don't know, maybe that's a true story. I would suspect it is. All you have to do is look at his lifestyle, study his houses where he lives. He got away with murder in many, many different ways. But uh, I had a very, very strong talk with the Taliban, which I considered to be much more important in the sense because they were the problem and they've been there for a long time and they're good fighters and they fight hard and after i said that we had a pretty good conversation now i have to tell you that if you remember when they were coming to washington to meet with me they decided to kill an american soldier because they thought that was a good way to negotiate and i canceled the trip and we had a conditions 
based agreement. And if you remember, it said May 1st, we want to get out because we have to get out. I've listened to people on your show and other shows say we should stay. They don't know. We, we were spending $42 billion a year. $42 billion. Think of it. $42 billion. I understand Russia spends $50 billion a year for their entire military. We were spending $42 billion, not 1%. They were saying 1%. That's a lot of nonsense. We're spending $42 billion a year on defending this for years and years. We've been there really now, not 20 years, but 21 and a half years. And we get nothing out of any of these things that we do, whether it's them or many other countries I could tell you about. I'm not going to insult anybody right now. But to spend that kind of money and then to have people get on shows and say how inexpensive it was. And I have to tell you also that we lost no soldiers in the last year and a half because of me and because of the understanding that we had. We lost no, think of that, in Chicago and in New York and in other cities in the United States, many people die every weekend. We lost no soldiers in Afghanistan because they knew I wasn't going to put up with it. Now, the world knew don't screw with the United States of America. They knew not to screw with them because Donald Trump didn't screw around. Donald Trump made sure that Americans were always safe. Donald Trump made sure that your life had a protective dome over it anywhere in the world. And if you screwed with us, there would be hell to pay. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The dome that was around Americans of protection anywhere in the world was a precedent that every president until Joe Biden has followed. I'll give you an example of how much an American life was not to be screwed with when Donald Trump was the president. He tweeted this out. July 22nd, 2018. To the Iranian president, Rouhani, never, ever threaten the United States again or you will suffer consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your... For your demented words, we are no longer a country, Trump then said, that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. Now, Donald Trump can't tweet anything like that anymore, but the Taliban has Twitter accounts that they're using to orchestrate their attacks and kill innocent people. Think about that for a moment with big tech. And you want to know how little this administration values the American lives, the 10 to 20,000 that are now in Afghanistan. And we are now seeing pictures of people being beheaded. We are now seeing pictures of people that are being murdered in the streets. We now know that people are being dismembered in the streets, all caught on video. For example, in Jalalabad, they caught a interpreter that helped American troops. They took him out into the streets. They cut his arms off and then they beheaded him. They also killed his family. They only spared the 10-year-old daughter of that interpreter, who they then gave to the commander of the Taliban for a sex slave. Of course, they call it a wife, so it's okay. But if you want to know how little your life now matters in the and how little backing you have from the president of the United States of America when it comes to your life, Biden's advisor, and remember, this president has not talked to any world leader. This president has not spoken With anybody while this is going on to try to stop it, he's been on vacation, MIA, for the last five days. Intelligence, we now know, and even the New York Times is reporting this as we speak. Their headline, intelligence warned multiple times of Afghan military collapse despite Biden's assurances. This is the New York Times reporting this now. And Biden's advisors has a message for all Americans who are stranded, Quote, you should trust the Taliban for safe passage to the airport. Just when you thought the Biden administration couldn't mess this up anymore, the administration came out on TV and laid out one of the most insane plans that has ever happened in the history of America evacuations. Their plan to evacuate 20,000 or 10,000 or 15,000 American citizens currently stranded in Afghanistan The National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, held a press conference yesterday and said the Taliban, quote, has informed them that they'll provide, quote, safe passage for Americans to the Kabul airport. So now he expects stranded Americans to just trust the Taliban who are beheading people and killing people in the streets right now. The same regime that helped plan the 9-11 attacks and fund the 9-11 attacks is who the American citizens are supposed to trust to allow them to go to the airport While they're beheading people in the streets. You cannot make this up. 
Now, the media, they are trying to give some cover to Joe Biden in this total fiasco. And how they're doing it now is by saying, well, Trump is the one that put this ball into motion. Trump is the one that set the president to get out of Afghanistan. That is a lie to get out this way. Donald Trump would have never left Americans behind and would have never. In fact, there was a date to get out and they extended the date because the Taliban didn't keep up their end of the agreement. And Donald Trump was asked about that by Sean Hannity. Listen to how all of this unfolded when he was the president. You know, it's interesting to listen to Joe Biden blame you. Uh, I inherited this deal, he kept saying, but he also inherited secure borders and he also inherited energy independence and he also inherited three vaccines and therapeutics like Regeneron. Uh, and we now see what's, what's been unfolding and he didn't have inflation at the time. I want to go back. This is I want to be very clear here because Secretary of State Pompeo on this program said exactly what you did that there wouldn't be an exit strategy that didn't include the current conditions on the ground. And I have multiple sources, and you're confirming tonight, that it sounds to me like you told the Taliban that if they violated any aspect of this agreement with territorial ambitions, we learned last week that 60% of the country was in their control. And you told them in no uncertain terms, it sounds to me like you would basically treat them like uh, you took care of the caliphate in Syria, ISIS. Well, we did. We got rid of the caliphate. Everyone said it was impossible, and I did it very quickly, and I let the generals make the decisions. The generals, the real generals, the ones that were over there doing the fighting, the ones that knew how to do it, because we have a lot of generals that shouldn't be generals right now, frankly, um, and I'm watching them all the time, but we have some great ones. We have great leaders in our military. We have the greatest military in the world. And we're giving it a very bad reputation, what's happening. Think of it. Uh, we took this horrible place. I mean, a place that just we shouldn't have been involved. It was a horrible decision going into the Middle East. And I know the Bush family will not be happy, but I believe it was the worst decision in the history of our country when we decided to go into the Middle East. It's turned out to be quicksand. We've destroyed the Middle East. Do you think it's better now than it was 20, 21 years ago? It's much worse. It was a horrible decision. It cost us trillions of dollars. And, and if you look at both sides, because I like to look at both sides, millions and millions of lives. And it's no different than it was. It's much worse because you have to rebuild it. It's been blown to pieces. The worst decision ever made was going, you can do a strike as retribution and it could be a big strike as retribution for the World Trade Center, etc. But to get stuck in there was like quicksand. So we did a terrible thing. But think of what's happening now. I've heard as many as 40,000 Americans and the Taliban, good fighters. I will tell you, they're good fighters. We have to give them credit for that. They've been fighting for a thousand years. That's what they do is they fight. The Taliban has circled the airport. And who knows if they're going to treat us right? You know, all of a sudden they'll say, well, Frankly, if they were smart, they'd really, and they are smart, and they are smart, they should let the Americans out. But we've had situations where you have two or three or four hostages. We could have 40,000 Americans, not to mention others, like people that helped us in Afghanistan. So we've never had when, a situation like this. We have 40,000 potential hostages, a minimum of 11,000, but it could be as many as 40. No, they have no idea how many. Nobody knows how many. Now, for those Americans trapped, we are now seeing violence erupting exactly what you would expect.
from the Taliban. Jalalabad, Taliban has opened fire on protesters for replacing the group's flag. Hundreds of civilians in Jalalabad have been massacred now to protest the replacement of the national flag, the Afghan flag, in public spaces with the Taliban flag. The Taliban then decided, all right, watch this, and they opened fire into the crowd. Now, these are the same people that are supposed to be protecting American citizens while they're on their way to the airport. An Afghan woman has also been killed for not wearing a burqa shot in the face after being drugged into the street to make an example of her. This after the Taliban spokesman went on Twitter, the same place that Donald Trump can't tweet from, to make new claims that they are going to, quote, protect women's rights. Again, American lives are basically worth nothing to this president and this White House. And they apparently are totally okay with this happening right now. It is a disaster at the White House. And Jen Psaki did exactly what you would not want a press secretary to do. I want to also make something very clear. I am not rooting against Joe Biden right now. I want America and American citizens to be safely removed from Afghanistan. I don't want them to fail. I want them to succeed. I've said this for years, even when Obama was president. I want their foreign policy to protect Americans, defend Americans, and I want us to succeed. I don't want Americans to be left behind so I can say, aha, see, I told you Joe Biden sucked. We already know how bad of a president is. He's, he's a guy that's just disappeared. He clearly can't handle the, the, the capacity of what it takes to be the president of the United States of America. The proof of it is the last five days. He's just abandoned his, his people. He's abandoned the country. I remember the debate we had about who's going to take the phone call at 3 a.m. with Hillary Clinton. Hell, who's taking the phone call at 3 p.m.? The White House has confirmed he's talked to no foreign leaders. The White House has confirmed he's been on vacation. The White House has confirmed he has not talked to virtually anybody. He's basically said, I, I don't know what to do with this. I'm right, but you guys figure it out. And the White House press secretary was asked by a reporter, hey, uh, are, are Americans even going to make it out of Afghanistan? Because you guys are acting like their lives don't matter. Take a listen to her response. You mentioned at the top that about 700 people have been evacuated mm-hmm. in the past 24 hours. Pentagon officials, including Press Secretary John Kirby, uh, expect that number to increase to yeah. five to 9,000 a day. Can you talk about what needs to happen between now and then to ramp the number up and when you expect to hit it? Sure, Weijian, it's a good question. I think what uh, what I had been referring to just a few minutes ago was the fact that our focus uh, has been on securing uh, not just the perimeter of the airport, but also operational capacity at the airport, which of course is a Department of Defense uh, operation they're overseeing uh, in coordination with the State Department. And so uh, because we've had success in that regard, we are uh, hopeful and expect to expedite additional flights out. So that was not the place where we were at this time yesterday. And given we've made progress in this regard, Uh, We are hopeful to uh, increase the number of people, uh, American citizens, SIV applicants, and others that we can uh, get out of the country. It's our understanding that Americans have been called, but it's up to them to travel there at their own risk. Their own risk. You you hear this, right? Think about what this reporter just said. Hey, you're, you're telling Americans to go to the airport. You've called them the airport. But you're telling them to go basically have to fight their way through the Taliban who is beheading people at their own risk. Um, Why isn't the U.S. providing any support, any transportation for them to get to Kabul? 
Well, I would just go back to what our National Security Advisor uh, discussed as it relates to uh, the Taliban and discussions with them about safe passage for uh, people who are coming to the airport. And we've also seen, uh, I don't have an exact number for you, I'm sure the Department of Defense and State Department can provide that, but a large number of American citizens and others making their way successfully to the airport over the course of the last 24 hours. One more. I know by, by the way, I love this. They're like, well, we, we had a couple people that made it, like, you know, a couple hundred. Really? That's so, so the other 20, 30,000? What about them? In the last 24 hours, we also know that the Taliban has been shooting people around the airport while America is basically held hostage within, inside of it. Our troops are only protecting the interior of the airport, not the exterior. And we have no roads under our control. All the roads leading to the airport from the entire country, which is the size of what, Texas? The entire country, every road that leads to the one airport in that country we're saying go to if you're an American citizen, is locked down by the Taliban. Now, let me go back to Trump for just a second because we've just got new reports coming out of Kabul now that the Taliban is searching people's cell phones. And they're killing you if on your cell phone they find the Bible. Many people in Afghanistan downloaded on their phones the Bible app or Bible apps. And they're grabbing those phones. And if they find the Bible app on your phone, the Taliban is killing those people is what we are being told right now. Now, that could be an American citizen, too. What would Donald Trump have done differently if the Taliban started doing this when he was president? He was asked that by Sean Hannity. And listen to his response. Let me go back to the, the words you used to the Taliban leader, because we knew last week that 60 percent of the country had already been taken over by the Taliban. And there was no sense of urgency to me. Under your plan, if they had taken over 5 percent, not 60 like they had last, 5 percent that was not in your agreement, what would have happened to them? We would have hit them very hard. Again, the words are conditions, plural, conditions based. It was a, an agreement where actually we wanted to get out by May 1st and they violated the agreement, so we didn't. It's a great agreement from a lot of different standpoints. And frankly, Biden didn't have to even go by that agreement. He could have done, look what he's done to the border. We had the greatest border, southern border, in the history of our country, we stopped drugs, we stopped human trafficking, we stopped people from coming in, prisoners from coming in. Now you'll have, I mean, you have the worst people in the world. They're emptying their jails into our country. This is like the southern border, but it's handled even worse. Nobody handled the southern border worse than him. We had the most secure border we've ever had. Now we have by far the worst border we've ever had. Well, Afghanistan is the exact same thing. To think of this. We have a military. It's holding it. You know, I got it reduced down to 2,500 soldiers, and they were doing a good job. It was fine. It was a smaller force. I took it down from close to 20 to 2,500, and we were fine. But we have the military there, and we take the military out before we took our civilians out, and before we took the interpreters and other, we want to try and help. But by the way, I'm America first, okay? The Americans come out first. But we're also going to help people that helped us. And we have to be very careful with the vetting because you have some rough people in there. But we're going to help those people. But can you imagine? Now, what we were going to do just very quickly is we were going to take the military out last. 
okay, last. The people were coming out, they were going to come out, but the agreement was violated, so I held things back because we weren't going to do anything, again, conditions-based. So well, they weren't we'll, we'll fulfilling their obligations and conditions. But here's just to finish. The people come out first. Then I was going to take all of the military equipment. We have billions and billions of dollars worth of new Black Hawk helicopters, brand new, that Russia now will be examining. And so will China and so will everybody else to figure because it's the greatest in the world. We have brand new army tanks and all sorts of equipment, missiles. We have everything. I was going to take it out because I knew they weren't going to fight. Just one thing, and I have to say, and this is different from everyone else, I said, why are they fighting? Why are these Afghan soldiers fighting against the Taliban? And I was told some very bad information by a lot of different people. The fact is, they're among the highest paid soldiers in the world. They were doing it for a paycheck because once we stopped, once we left, they stopped fighting. So all of the people that talk about the bravery and everything, I say everybody's brave. But the fact is, our country was paying the Afghan soldiers a fortune. So we were sort of bribing them to fight. And that's not what it's all about. It's a great thing that we're getting out, but nobody has ever handled a withdrawal worse than Joe Biden. This is the greatest embarrassment, I believe, in the history of our country. So when you hear the media say, oh, well, really, this is Trump's fault. Donald Trump's policy was completely different than Joe Biden's. Donald Trump would have never allowed this to happen. And Donald Trump would have made sure that Americans were not left behind. Donald Trump would have made sure that if the Taliban screwed with just one American, it would have been game over. Donald Trump would have made sure that Americans were not harmed the way that they were not screwed with when he was the president of the United States of America. That is a fact. His policy was not get out by an arbitrary date either. He moved that date. When things change, you change, you adapt. But now the Taliban controls the whole country and 10 to 20,000, maybe even more Americans' lives are at risk. They're on kill lists. And people are being drugged from their homes, beheaded and murdered. And people who have the Bible app on their phone are being drugged out into the streets and killed. And there isn't a single road that you can get to the airport that isn't controlled by the Taliban with checkpoints to kill you. And the U.S. government of Joe Biden is doing not a damn thing to save these American lives. He is unfit to be commander in chief. Make sure, as I've said before, please share this podcast with your family and friends. Subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to it each and every day for free. I'll see you guys back here tomorrow and pray for the Americans that are stuck behind enemy lines right now in Afghanistan. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.